Frank Laughlin, Business Transformation Manager for Kerber Pharma Software. And I'm Laura Ferry, Cloud Customer Success Manager for Kerber Pharma Software. Our goal for Pep Talks is to have conversations on current topics impacting both bio and pharmaceutical manufacturing. And to get to know the people who are the experts in the industry. So sit back, relax, or go for a walk with some pep in your step. Welcome to Pep Talks. Laura, for this episode of Pep Talks, we're going to talk about the sometimes frustrating but extremely important world of packaging. Absolutely. This year marks the 40th anniversary of the Tylenol case, which changed product safety for consumers through enhanced packaging. In 1983, the U.S. Congress passed what was called the Tylenol Bill, making it a federal offense to tamper with consumer products. And then in 1989, the FDA established federal guidelines for manufacturers to make all such products tamper-proof. This episode, we have two packaging experts from Kerber to discuss what I think we kind of take for granted in everyday life, the world of packaging. Rudy and Irk, could you tell us something about yourselves? And let's start with you, Irk. Sure. Um, yeah, my name is Erk Wolters. I'm the Regional Sales Director at Kerber Pharma Packaging, our site in Schlossolte, Germany. I'm with the company since just a little bit more than 30 years. Um, my background is engineering. I studied mechanical engineering. And for the first nine years of these 30 years, I was heading the application engineering and since then, uh, in our sales department, I took several regions um, all around the world. Right now, the regions I'm looking after are including US, Canada, UK, Ireland, Scandinavia, and some special customers. And with my experience to all these markets, I was exposed to a lot of small lot production projects in more than 40 cases, uh, more supply machines there, and an uncounted number of packaging lines. My age, I'm 57. Uh, I'm married, I have one daughter, um, yeah, two dogs, four horses, nine motorcycles. So that's me. In a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> Rory, what about you? Yeah, so let me get the, the awkward bit out of the way just to correct Laura there. So it's not Rudy, it's Rory is my name. So um, And it rhymes with the brewery, which is also very familiar with people who are dealing with Irish uh, people in general. So... Um, yeah, I'm with Kerber now three and a half years. I'm the head of sales for Kerber Pharma based in Dublin. And I manage the all of the machinery portfolio within the Kerber Pharma group. So not only packaging, but inspection and handling also. I'm already in the UK uh, and Ireland working with Irk. He's my trusty steed in these matters. And we have done some very exciting projects together, including small lot solutions, standard tablet blister and cartner machines, but also more exotic flavors with liquid and freeze-drying machines as well. So a lot of things that we can talk about later on. Uh, my personal CV, I'm getting on with life. I have three kids, two boys, one girl, uh, one dog. Not as rich as Eric. I only have one horse and he's leased. Um, so I only own a part of a leg. And uh, I'm a, a camper van enthusiast as well. I like to get out on the road and escape from, um, from the busy, hectic world that we find ourselves sometimes in each day. But really happy to be here. And thanks, Frank and Laura, for inviting us to participate. Yeah. Gents, we tend to take it for granted, but packaging impacts our everyday lives. Could you give us some examples of packaging? Of course we can. If you look to pharmaceutical packaging, that's where we fall together. 
it has uh, the adding of safety so that the product arrives safe at the user. It also adds features like childproof. And uh, of course, it makes the product durable and uh, until it's last uh, and is consumed so that it can stay longer in the shelf or on its way to the customer. Yeah, I think sometimes when people hear the word blister packaging, it's a bit confusing. What's this blister thing? So basically what we're talking about is your standard tablet in a pack that you've got to pop out from behind. You've got to force it up through a foil, a lidding foil, and then you get the tablet safe out. And there's different types of foils and materials that are used there, both aluminium on the bottom and the top, or maybe plastic on the bottom, like standard PVC, um, and different things there to make it more comfortable and convenient for the customer. So there's lots of different I suppose, considerations that need to be taken into account from both the pharma safety side, but also from a consumer heuristics point of view as well. So you've been able to paint the picture for how packaging impacts our everyday lives, but can you discuss some of the different types of packaging, maybe go further into those examples that you were bringing up uh, that our listeners might interact with? Of course I can. Uh, if you look really to pharmaceutical products, so a product which has an active ingredient side to, to um, help you with a disease or to prevent a disease, then you find a number of different packaging styles. One very popular is the blister, as just described by Ruri, this thermoformed or cold form bubble with a tablet inside. Another one could be a stick pack, that's a tubular sachet style with a single dose of a liquid or gel or powder. And also sachets are found, a little bit larger, uh, more square, rectangular, four-side sealed pouch, which also concludes or in uh, contents a, yeah, a dose of powder or liquid. And last but not least, there are objects with, um, yeah, with components uh, like a syringe or like an ampule or while a little glass container, which requires packaging into a, a thermoform pack or into a carton. Ruri, something to add from your end? Yeah, and I suppose the other things that we see in packaging is that we've got to we've got to include a lot of um, different instructions and languages. There's certain obligations there on the pharmaceutical company to offer a patient information leaflet uh, from a regulatory point of view, but also from an explanatory point of view of how do I actually administer and when do I take this uh, particular medicine. That all goes into the pack as well, and those things are changing as uh, both uh, technology changes. And our, I suppose, consumers change as well in their behavior and what they want to take out of a pack. And the whole sustainability thing as well. More paper, more things produced. You know, a lot of people are trying to get away from that now. So there's, there's challenges there. But there's some of the examples of, of some of the impacts that packaging has in our world today. Yeah, lots to consider. Can you tell me more about the blister packaging? Yeah, of course. Um, Maybe we start a little bit with the history, and as I'm the old guy here in the in the interview, yeah, um, I think Dirk was around for the very first blister that was produced, weren't you? Right. Uh, well, that was a little bit after before my time when I started actually with the company. That was in 1960, 1961, when the birth control pill. Uh, made the big success. Um, a package form was required. Uh, you can get some memory of if you had taken your daily medicine. So a kind of a, a calendar was required that you really see uh, which day you have taken and that you can follow so the path of uh, the medication. And that was the birth of the uh, blister, thermoform pack, which gives a home for every little tablet. Um, and you find 21 or 28 of these birth control pills into one blister card. And with a proper printing on it or with a sticker on it, you could mark your day when you started everything 
And this was really the beginning of the blister pack and pharmaceutical industry. I like the play on words. That was the birth of the blister pack. <laughs> what are the current trends in packaging? Uh, Uri, what do you think? I yeah, think there so are I... a lot of trends from potency, containment, so to protect the operator, to protect the product. Um, that definitely is a clear trend because um, medication become a very more specific uh, medication and therefore you need to protect the drug or the operator during the packaging process. That's a big trend we see. You have yeah. more, Rory? Yeah, I think the other thing is that we've seen over the years is that, you know, thanks to the marketing departments in pharma companies, you know, they're, they're actually designing different shapes and sizes of tablets, you know, for different diseases, you know, so, so things that kind of actually make sense to the customer when they see them. So, you know, to be very, um, I don't know, obvious about it, maybe a heart shaped tablet, you know, for something that might affect your cholesterol. So how do you actually package that? And how do you put that into a blister? And the tricky part there is, you know, imagine that shape. How do you, how do you make some sort of mechanical feeder that's going to make sure that gets into the pocket each time? So there are challenges that, you know, impact on us engineering and salespeople, but also are things that the, the, the uh, are trending, let's say, in the uh, pharmaceutical world. And I think the other thing then is that's, that's happening is that a lot of the drugs that are, are um, becoming more uh, widespread nowadays are very high value drugs um, and lower volumes of those drugs as well. So lower amounts and different um, doses of those for different markets. So there's challenges there for the pharmaceutical company on how do they actually get out different pack sizes for different markets, depending on what consumers like. So in South American markets, they tend to like a big, a huge, big blister you know, with lots of tablets on it. In European markets, it's a smaller blister with maybe only a small amount of tablets on it. And each time you have these changes in blister size and blister contents, you need to have changes in how the machine and the tooling can actually form that. So you're forming different shapes and sizes all the time. So that's why there's an ever constant changing um, area within blister packaging. There is a lot going on. Are there any other trends? Yeah, I would say um, the market is getting very bipolar. On one end, we are serving markets for high-speed lines, which have a mono drug uh, all day, all night, all long. Um, you think about larger markets like Asia or South America, but in totally reverse or contrast to it, we are here, especially in Europe, seeing a lot of requirements for ultra-small lot packaging. That results into very small lot sizes, short runs only. So a packaging line is only running a very short, short time. A classical tablet with line is often designed to run much larger scale products and high performances. And uh, so a solution is desired uh, to deal with these short runs. What type of solution could you use here? Yeah, so some of the things that we've done is be to be able to give our customers um, faster changeovers on machines. So making the tools on the machines more adaptable and easier to change over from one format to another and to um, to basically accommodate the requirements for basically what we call a single minute exchange of, of a die or, a, or an actual tool. So optimizing sharing of parts on a machine and then making it much easier for them to um, produce smaller batches. But oftentimes this still isn't um, efficient enough because you've still got to change over a lot of different elements on the line when you're moving from one product to the next. So we actually needed other tools um, to, to achieve better uh, efficiencies to do this. What then? Well, 
LSC was born by that time. Can you explain what LSC is? Of course. Well, let's first understand where the three letters stands for. LSC stands for late stage customization. So the primary packaging is often the pain. That means with every batch change, our customers were forced to fully clean the packaging line because from batch to patch, you handle a different API, a different drug, and you have to clean the line very thoroughly. And this can take really hours. So um, this also, when only the language and um, of the blister or the language of the carton is different, we clean the entire line. These are the current procedures for such a setup. So we had to design a professional tool for collating the blisters. And with that tool, we opened the way to separate the manufacturing of the primary packaging, the blister manufacturing, from the secondary, from the cartoner. What is the result? So basically what we, we've done is we allow the customer to produce the blisters all non-printed. Okay, so it's like having a generic blister, fully fresh, virgin ready, and then afterwards they can print these to their heart's content to any language for any market at any stage. So you optimize your blister production at one end, big batches, save them, put them into a bright stock, they often call them, into your stock, and then call them off for each individual market as you need them. And we have a special little project, product called our, our Bib Bob, which is our blister in box or blister out of box, uh, which uh, really helps people to transfer these blisters uh, from a box into the carton, in, into the cartoner uh, very easily and quickly. And then we have an onboard printer inside that carton, which uh, with our software, you can just program that to drop the correct artwork language onto those blisters for each run. And so in that way, you're not having to uh, do lots of changeovers uh, and have downtime on both machines. So really you're decoupling the traditional process of a primary and secondary line into two different um, production processes. And it works really well. So printing the blister in the cartoner. Yes, Laura, that's right. Um, there are nowadays inkjet printers available who have uh, a very wide printing uh, width, which covers the entire blister. And then the secret is that you handle the blister very carefully in a section of the cartoner, uh, ensure that it is pretty flat and nice and constant transported, and then inkjet supplied to the blister's lipfold surface. These inks, uh, they cure with UV light, a special light which makes the ink hard in fragments of a second. And you can also even use multicolor printing, CMYK printing printers with multiple heads, uh, so that the blister is not only printed with boring black, but also with full color market content or country specific warning signs, which are sometimes in special colors. Um, yeah, these uh, technology helped us to, to find solutions for our customer by integrating the printer into our cartoning machine. Well, I think you can see guys, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that goes into the humble blister. So maybe give it a bit more respect next time you, before you bid it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually frustrated by how do I get this thing out of here, but you're absolutely right. And it really does sound like you are helping our customers with efficiency. You're helping them with the technology. You're helping them get product to patients faster, easier, and quicker. That's what I'm hearing. Perfect wrap up. I can't say it any different. Yeah, you're here. And that's all the time we have for today. We want to thank... Rory and Eric, this whole packaging topic is reminding me that I still need to get some last-minute holiday shopping done before the holidays. Same here. Well, this is our last pep talks for 2022, 
and from the whole Pep Talks crew, Laura, Sevilla, Chris, and myself, we would like to wish everyone a safe and happy holiday season.